Hello, and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got James Maxwell, Ty Lee. Deja vu all over again, folks. The Oklahoma Sooners lose another close game that could have been completely avoided, uh, falling to the West Virginia Mountaineers 23-20 to on, um, on virtue of a West Virginia game-winning field goal. Um <laughs> I mean, look, look, I already I already went on a rant like on Saturday about it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find it there. If not, it's not on the podcast stream. It's not really worth your time. Just listen to this one instead. But let's dive into it. Um, so I'm just going to let Jameson start. Um, are they is, is this team going to just like ever learn anything? Are they no. ever going to change anything? I think that there's minor changes that are happening almost every week that I can kind of look at and be like, oh, that got better. But then there's something that's right next to it that got two times worse. And I'm like, well, here we go. And we're just not making any ground. We're not getting better. And it's just a shame. And kind of my overall thought process on OU, it's I'm not mad. Um, I'm more so like embarrassed and feel like I'm helpless. That's kind of what I feel like. I feel like I'm really worried about the future of Oklahoma, and I have not had that really that thought process for a really long time. All of the people talking about saying, oh, you should be scared going into the SEC. Now those insecurities are coming deep down into me. Can we keep a recruiting class right now that wants to come into a brand new coaching system that is five and five right now in the Big 12? There's so many questions, and I feel helpless. I think that's fair. Ty. I think this is our, I think this is the worst one yet. I mean, this is the worst team that we've lost to. Uh, but this one even feels different from the Baylor one. I think I maybe made the argument after Baylor that that was our worst loss uh, because we could have won that one realistically and, and maybe should have by some uh, metrics. This one, they, we should have won it. I, even down to like the last drive, until we were down to right at the end, you know, I was just kind of complaining about, about the cover for the weekend spread, uh, our other podcast that we do later on in the week where we break down lines and, and gambling and stuff. And then I, with like a few seconds left, I was like, wait a second, are we just about to lose? Like what is, is going on? It just didn't, it did not make sense because we had it in hand. Obviously we never took off with it. We never shut them down, but it seemed like we had it in hand and it really just comes down to, I mean, we'll get into it, but just the some coaching decisions when it came to to punting, and then you know, I I still I I would argue that that no call or that no penalty on a guy giving himself up kneeling in in the end zone. I understand that you know that an, another penalty, you know, maybe making that a non-play, but it, you're still got a, a hit to to a guy giving himself up. Yeah. And, that that so play was a great straight. It was a great scapegoat, honestly, for OU fans to take their um, hatred out on. I, I'm not really in the camp as much as you, Ty. Uh, yeah, there was an offsides on it as well, so I don't know if that would have been an after the play 15 yard penalty that would have been a net 10 10 yards for OU, which would have been a significant thing. But they that fourth down conversion was a long conversion. They already gained a lot of yards Both on times. it. Yeah. Butterfly effect. I don't know what coverage would have been any different. And if they had ran a different play, so on and so on. But it's like, I'm not pointing my finger at that play. There's, there's a lot well, more. No, but I, I yeah, feel like sure. worthy of picking field goals and one of 11 on third down drop passes. I mean, there's so many more things. Well, that's a yeah, good segue it, for us to just get right into it. Yeah, 100%. And I think for me, the theme of this um, across the board, no matter what it is, if it's penalties, if it's alignment, if it's just making a play, the lack of attention to detail is completely just it, 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 it's so evident. And it's so frustrating to me because I think entering this season, we all kind of knew and all kind of agreed that, look, this team is not going to be as talented as it has been in the past. The talent isn't quite there yet, but what we were sold on was that they're going to be disciplined and that they're going to be hard nosed and they're, they were going to appreciate the details that they were going to work on the details and the details across the board have not really improved offsides where guys are like, you know, in the neutral zone, brutally there, Mims dropping just wide open passes, 
Uh, Gabriel still missing Mims wide open again. It's just the details are just completely off. And frankly, they don't look like they care all that much uh, to fix it. And I think that's the frustrating thing is it doesn't seem like there's a ton of urgency to win football games. Um, and it, it just begs the question, what is this team? Like, what are they? What do they do well at? I don't think they do anything well, good at anything. Um, because they're just average across the board. They don't try hard. They don't, they don't care. They don't, they don't care to get better. They don't make the improvement. And it's just, it's really frustrating to see uh, as a fan. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair analysis. Uh, to, to sort of dive into some less uh, complaining things and really start to point fingers because that's that's the fun thing. But uh, personally, I have a a belief that I sort of stumbled upon. I, I am sure – I haven't looked it up. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who have been screaming about this all season, but it doesn't really seem to me like there's a whole lot of leadership within the locker room uh, in, in – how I'm coming to that conclusion is the things that you can look at, like when they're on the sideline in between plays and things like that, when the players are interacting, is there a guy out there rallying the troops, so to speak? And I, I like to use the the Baker Mayfield comparison because it's very obvious right in your face, you know, the way he was as, as a leader, as a, a, a on the team leader at OU, we're talking about at OU and, and getting buy-in from mm-hmm. the team and, and from the players and being able to motivate people and, and maybe make up for some of those gaps and and the coaches, maybe not necessarily motivating people, which, you know, that's a whole nother can of, of worms. You know, it's someone can be a good motivator and they're just not connecting with, with someone or or something like that. There's a whole host of factors that go into that, but I really feel like we, obviously we have captains, we have guys who are sort of leaders within the locker room, but it really helps when your leader within the locker room is not a guy making glaring, Mistakes. So if you had to point to like two leaders, you know, we've, we've always pointed to Danny Stutzman as, as a sort of a, a cultural leader, Broyles. team cultural leader on the defense. Yeah. Broyles, Broyles as well on the, on the defensive side. And then on, on the offensive side, you know, naturally you have your, your quarterback, but you also have, have uh, guys like Eric Gray, you know, our, our leading guy. And then uh, who knows what's going on in, in the receiving room, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of buy-in from the other players when, you know, it's finger pointing time and, and everyone's sort of turning on each other. And it seems like it was a shaky sort of low level leadership situation to begin with. And I think that's part of, of the lack of buy-in too, because they, the coaches can have the, the strategy and everything all they want and get the motivation from the players. But if the players aren't, aren't there for each other, you know, that, that team environment, that family team environment, then it's uh it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, here's, here's my thing. I, I kind of, I, I don't think Stutzman is much of a leader as well. Some people in the chat, uh, Jamie's saying that in the chat. It's it's Broyles, and we probably lost him for the season because he's a high-energy guy. But the thing is, most of the time, whenever you have leaders, they're older guys, and they've been there, and they've done that, and they've gone through the ringer, and they know what to do. The thing is, everyone's on the same level right now. We don't have any veterans in the Brent Venable scheme. We have v- veterans of the Alex Grinch scheme on defense and, you know, the Lincoln Riley offense, but that's not the case anymore. We don't have those things. So everyone's at square one. So whenever your older guys are going out there and they're not com- doing well and they're not setting an example, they're like our old defensive backs, linebackers, defensive linemen continue to line up um, wrong, um, co- commit penalties, go up the wrong gap. That's not a leader. They're not setting it by example. So there's really nothing to look forward to. And it's at the point where do we just start playing all of the young guys as much as we can and just say, screw it. They're going to get as much, you know, experience as possible because they're our future. I, I, these, we heard it a lot today with this NIL of trying to keep OU's players. These older guys are going to be fleeing across the country. The portal is going to be nuts. One, because it's horrible play. And two, and two, this is a culture that they don't want to play in because they got spoiled with never going in, watching film, being late to practice, barely working out with the Alice Grinch Lincoln Riley scheme. And three, like, are you kidding me? Do they have any belief in them by the fan base? They don't want to be with this team anymore. They've given up. Yeah. It's kind of like we have a, a situation where we have 22 Spencer Rattlers at the moment in terms of, you know, getting blamed, you know, because I mean, look, if no, things go, no, we do not look, No, I'm just there saying, are Eric Gray. Look, 
Drake Stoops, Except for Eric- we love you guys. You guys are not okay, getting blamed. Good point. But good they're point. both good gone point. next year, too. And it's not yeah. like they're well, yeah, trans- that's, yeah. transferring. That's one's thing. graduating. Well, one's going to go to the draft. And I guarantee you, Eric Gray, be happy. Because I would not be surprised if like, if we lose versus Bedlam. What's stopping Eric Gray from just shutting it down after that? I, what's stopping I wouldn't blame him. Going to the NFL, I, just like, I'm out. Like, we've already got like. I don't care about trying to get to the six win anymore. I, I mean, I got to protect myself and I ain't going to play in the bowl game either. I mean, I'd hey, hope I hope he's not like that. But hey, Jay- Jameson, like... the Liberty Bowl means something these days, buddy. Freaking Arizona. God <laughs> I do America. not. I do not like players opting. I'm, I'm in the camp of not getting angry at them because uh, I understand it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I dislike as a fan when players opt out. I would not blame Eric Gray if he opted out right now and in abandon this ship because i think that it, what we've seen and we've kind of been dancing around it not intentionally you know we're we're saying it in every way but but straight up saying it i think what we're seeing from a lot of of the players in some situations you know we can get into the whole argument of of uh, the coaching that they're receiving or or maybe their ability to absorb coaching and development but i think we're seeing some people that at this point have uh you know just mailed it in to to use that term uh or they're just not, they've checked out. They've mentally checked out. The The season is done over with a wash for them. I'm not going to go out there and put in any effort and, and things like that. So, Yeah. It's, okay. Let me clarify. I guess Stoops does have one more year. I can't keep up with um, all of these different years and COVID years and redshirt years and, and whatnot. He was a redshirt but, freshman. The, he was a redshirt freshman the Kyler year, wasn't he? Yeah, it's he's been yeah. so I guess he's been here plenty. <laughs> and I mean, like, I wouldn't blame him if he just decided to say, like, hey, I'm just going to go to graduate school somewhere, you know, just go another alley. I understand he's an Oklahoma legend, but it's like, what else does he have to do here? You know, make it make NIL money. Well, it's so love I, of it's that's love kind of, of the thing, game. too. Love of the game. Yeah, there's and, love like, of the game. True. Well, and we've made the argument off of it now. So we've, legally. Yeah, we've made the argument and it, we're very pro Stoops, but we've made the argument that maybe Drake Stoops, if you just look at his stats, even his his performance stats, probably shouldn't be a first team receiver at a major uh, you know, school, like a major power five school like this. And it's he didn't get this through nepotism. I mean, he worked hard for this. So I don't I, I'm sure he could play anywhere else. Uh you know, I think with his work ethic, he would have done well at Iowa. Yeah, I, I don't think he would okay. go anywhere. That's just I, that's he's got he got really good hands too. I mean, like don't he got say a scholarship he go to offer. Iowa? No, that's where he got his other scholarship. <laughs> off. That, that's so he got a scholarship offer to go play at Iowa, and then everywhere else was not FBS. And then uh, he got a preferred walk on with pretty much all coverage to come to OU because <laughs> Papa um, is pretty much on this contract here where no matter who his kids is they get paid college it's the royal family so to be fair to be fair nobody would do well does well under brian ferentz anyways except unless you're a tight end then you'll probably do well uh but no i i mean it's it's tricky and i i don't know i i wonder you know look the past couple games what have they like i think they might have been mailing they've probably been mailing this in since like baylor um is what it feels like uh it's and and I gotta say, Jameson, like what? How much of this do you put on the on the shoulders of the coaches of the coaching staff, the coaches from Brent to Levy, except for Ted Roof is about as useless use like about as useful as a freaking garden gnome out there. He doesn't do anything. So really, it's Levy and um and Venables. How much do you put blame on them? Um, I was at the point where I was leaning more coaches at the beginning of the year, but as we've watched the same things happen over and over and we see adjustments, we see improvements. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, little tiny improvements here and there, but then something like you're finally making this perfect little sculpture look pretty. Like you're on great British baking show right now. And you have this wonderful sculpture and you're like, Oh, look, it looks so good. Then you turn to your right. And the thing you just fixed a couple minutes ago is now collapsed and shattered. Like that's exactly what this OU football <laughs> program is. And that's just players. They can't keep up with it because there's no sense of stability there's no one to lean on we said the offensive line was oh my god did the offensive line disappoint um for us on saturday um i there's eric gray's our only person i can really say like wow there he is <laughs> i mean our best players are the guys are 
almost losing his games right now. Marvin Mims with his drop passes the past couple weeks. Like those are huge momentum things. I, we don't have a fallback. There's broke broken pieces everywhere we look. I want to point out really quick. Bobby sounds like he's maybe having headphone connection issues. Um, Eric Gray had a 200 plus yard game with our O-line performing like they did. So that's just, mm-hmm. once again, we, we do have to praise and, and emphasize the things because there were things that were, that were done correctly on the player mm-hmm. side. It, it is a lot of, I mean, ultimately it's a, it's an individual thing and you don't, you don't want to embrace the, the toxicity, you know, of, of sitting out there and, and casting blame at people, but uh, you you also have to be able to to understand the nuance of you know we're not trying to cast blame and, and just sort of you know kick the the players while they're down. Obviously, no one is feeling these losses more than the players themselves. But you have to be able to to take an objective look at it, and that's what we're trying to provide you know for everyone here. So don't don't think that we're anti-player yeah. or something like that. But it's yeah. just you know it's objectively. If you if you look at it straight up, try to remove as much emotion as you can. You know it's beyond a shadow of a doubt right now that there is a significant portion of the blame to to be put on the players. Ultimately, uh, also, the buck stops at the coaches. You know, but mm-hmm. the coaches make the, the calls; they don't go out there and execute them. The players are at like eighty percent right now. Um, but I'll say this, Bobby, and I'll, I'll kick it back to you because I, I want to put this out there before I forget. <laughs> the coaching decision to kick that field goal in the torrential downpour whenever we're just gashing them over and over and over in the run game, you take the ball out of your best player and give it to a guy who's already missed a field goal and a horrible, like you're on the road in the rain to kick it. Just not, not a good idea. Not a good idea, but you know, young coaches, I guess not young coaches, um, amateur coaches who haven't been head coaching, making these kind of decisions for a long time. Sometimes they make the wrong decisions. So I mean, I'm not going to blame him too much for that, but that was a bad, bad decision. Yeah, and in his press conference afterwards, he did say, like, why? essentially, we're horrible on third down. And we he didn't believe in us. Down. He said he did he not believe that we could convert. I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I understand, but, like, that, you got to think about the drive that you were just playing with that momentum. Like, I don't care if you were one for 11 third down, you're struggling the whole game. What you were doing that whole drive – was not what you've been seeing for the earlier parts of this game. You continue to do that. And I, I guarantee you, if you brought the analytics, the, the analytics told you, and that's not considering the weather because the analytics doesn't bring into some of those things, told you probably go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, situationally, it makes no sense to do that. Uh, I, I get that they're like, look, Schmidt, it's in his range. It wasn't an awful attempt, but with the weather and everything, you got to go for it. Um, I mean, you're you gotta you got to believe in your guys. I feel like the second that thing missed, and it, it just felt like not a white flag, but it felt not. I don't know how to describe it. It just felt very. It's it's a fine line, is what it is. Cowardly? It's not Maybe cowardly. It's, I don't know. Maybe it's not, probably not it, cowardly. You got, you got to be you got to be careful with it. You got to be really careful with it because it's like sometimes whenever you go for it on fourth down, and if you would have missed it, we'd have just been getting the complete opposite. Why aren't we kicking it? You know, that's within Schmidt's range. It just ended up not being the best decision, and it didn't work out. So obviously, he's going to get a lot of the flag, uh, and that's what yeah. happens with those big time money making decisions. And hopefully. Maybe you shouldn't be in those positions whenever you're playing West Virginia. Whenever you are playing like That's the way true. we did, all the boneheaded mistakes that we made throughout the game, you shouldn't be in that decision on the road in Morgantown. No, I, and I think you're 100% right on that. It's not just that play call. It's not just that. It's the fact that they OU is a better team, I felt like, like for the most part, um, until they needed to be. They were a better team for basically – three out of four downs. And then they would have that one down where everything just kind of went to hell. And it was the one, it would would always be like that one play you needed to keep the drive going, to keep the drive alive or to get West Virginia off the field. And that's the difference between winning and losing football games is the ability to make the play, to close it out, to not make a mistake. And, And the thing that's frustrating to me is so many of those times where things were going right, just need to make one more play 
and this thing really breaks open, they botch it. They screw it up. And that's the thing that's so tricky is, I mean, look, this is our third loss that is close. That is, that was winnable. Um, and to go 0 of 3 on, in situations like that is um, very disheartening. It's very disheartening to me. Ty? Yeah, when I look at it specifically, uh, looking at the coaching uh, angle or the coaching decision angle, uh, a couple things really stand out to me. One, and it very unfortunately do not recall, it was, it was uh, I believe, West Virginia's final drive. Uh, there was a play where West Virginia converted a first down with a quarterback run. And, and that play really stands out to me as, as sort of what we talked about earlier with the players. And this will tie into my coaching point. Uh, our play call was excellent. We had an excellent play call. It was blew up West Virginia play, West Virginia's play. And Danny Stutzman ended up initiating contact, which should have been good. Con- like it wasn't a glancing blow. Like he initiated good contact uh, two yards behind the line of scrimmage and then couldn't complete the tackle. So, like, the play was there. We got our X onto their O in the backfield. Should have been over. Should have been, you know, uh, they lose two yards and, and are forced to punt. But then the tackle was not executed, and they have their guy go run through and and convert the, the first down. And, and that really stood out to me as, um, you know, hey, the coaching call was there. The coaching, the strategy, the – the play call on that specific play was there and that was not executed by the players. And I think that there maybe are some issues and I know I gave a defensive example on the offense. I see this a lot as well. I, I think there are some issues coaching wise with us not calling plays that are within the realm of capability of the talent that we have. You know, we're basically giving our first graders uh, fifth grade reading assignments, you know, and and then being surprised that they're not completing their homework is is sort of how I see it at this point. I mean, at some point you have to water things down to the level of talent that you have. Like you're executing stuff that you're or calling stuff that your talent can reasonably execute versus calling what should be like excellent strategy. And I see this a lot offensively. Like we'll call these, you know, I think brilliant sequences of of sort of jab, 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 short plays that open up that long play. And then we get that long play open and either Mims drops it or more often than not, Gabriel can't get it anywhere close to a wide open guy that it should be a touchdown. And like, there was like at least three of those plays that I can point to in this game where it was a touchdown if the pass could have been completed and it's a completely different night and day game and and season for us. But also with the coaching, one thing that really jumps out to me is is sort of our, our pacing of the game. And it, it ties into to what I just said is I feel like uh, I think Jameson just pointed this out. We we sort of shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes. We have these really great sequences and drives, and then we just call something really weird that doesn't make sense. It completely blows up our pacing. It changes the the down length, and then you know like when we try to take two big shots on first and second down, and then we end up third and long. Passing is not working. Now are we going to run it on third and long? Or we? what are we going to do? Third and, and long and is not really our thing me. either. We're horrible no. on yeah. third and long. And then, yeah, and then my my sort of my last point on the pacing is it, the fourth quarter specifically of the last couple games, we get down to that like less than 10 minutes, more than five minutes time span. And I see no sense of urgency. And when the game is tied like it was in this one or close like it was in the Baylor one, you know, there needs to be that sense of urgency in our, our play calling. Like we're play calling like OU in the the playoff game against Georgia when we were up by two, or like we're acting like we're up by like 28 with two minutes left. And we're just trying to run down the clock. Like there's no urgency. And then it's like, we go and, and just do a drive or we eat up a ton of clock and then punt it. Like we're up, like it doesn't make sense strategy wise, like you guys have, have pointed out. So there are some definite coach, coaching gripes when it comes to strategy I, I at this point i don't think we can make any estimates on the coach's ability to develop and coach players because i think we, we don't have the level of player to do that and then our players that are good weren't they were already developed when these coaches came in so i don't know but there are definitely definitely some some strategy and and decision making during the game on our coaches that i would like to see and i have full faith that they will they will get ironed out and they will learn you know this is venables's first year as a coach, I see coaching like being a quarterback. You know, you don't expect the Heisman from your quarterback in his first year. So 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and I think I think that lack of rhythm and the lack of ability to convert on third and fourth was was absolutely huge. Like last week, we talked about how it was a close game with Baylor, but what did us in were the turnovers. You know, three turnovers versus their one, we lose. In this case, no turnovers, which is great. However, we got absolutely blasted on third and fourth down, and, and we won the down. turnover battle. Let's not let's yeah. not forget to say that. Yeah, we won the turnover battle, but when you go, what, 1 for 11 on 3rd, 0 for 2 on 4th, so 1 of 13 on critical downs. And then West Virginia, on the other hand, 7 of 19 on 3rd down. And, uh, oh, by the way, 4 of those night, er, four of the ones they missed uh, converted on 4th down. 4 of 5 on 4th down. That is unacceptable. That is where the game is won and lost. And um, you got to execute in those plays. you got to execute in those money-making plays or else you lose. You lose to a bad West Virginia team that is about to fire the entire athletic administration. Yeah, they fire their AD in right after a Sooner win. That's, that just does not leave a good taste in my mouth. And I know that there's the big picture here to look at it. Kind of like I said, I'm disappointed, just feel helpless. The, the biggest thing with this in my mind after this loss is not about our record, not about making a bowl this year. I don't care about making some six and six, seven and five bowl and how we finish the rest. Of the, I don't care about this season. I care about next season. I care about the future. And like, what are, how are the recruits going to respond to this? And let me say, thank God that this year is an ugly one for Texas A&M three and seven. Oh my God. They are really helping us out because obviously they're one of our <laughs> biggest competitors. I'm oh glad you, I had a, I had a note in my pre pre podcast notes where I said, if things get really depressing or sad and we're just down on our, or like, you know, being really depressing on the pod, I need to point out at least we're not A&M to change the mood. <laughs> so, right. right? It's just, AM's in the fifth year of this. Like that's that's the thing that's really embarrassing. Like we we at least are just now starting off. They oh what a mess there. That that Jimbo Um, buyout is thick. It is really thick. (laughs) Texas, Texas having a good year, but like as recency bias right now with the recruits, like looking at what just happened, that TCU game, primetime on game day, you know, in Austin. That's not obviously the best look for them either. And it's going to be a tough road for them to make a big 12 championship. And, you know, other competing guys that were going against Notre Dame, Bobby saw it like that Navy game wasn't sexy. And obviously they had the big one versus Clemson, but like they had, they lost to Marshall this year. This is not their finest of years. A lot of these teams that we're competing with in recruiting battles right now, thank God they're doing poor because their negative recruiting towards us can kind of be turned a little bit back on them. We can start pointing a little bit of fingers here and there, but you've got it. You got to worry about, you know, guys like PJ Adebowari possibly taking a visit to Ohio state. Um, I know people have been going into the dark depths of Twitter and saying, Oh, he's following the Ohio state uh, recruiting people on Twitter. Now. I mean, yeah, of course he's going to do his due diligence and look. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't, I would blame him if he didn't. Um, he's getting a lot more attention now, now that he's played a little bit more this season and people are seeing his gifts. Why not? Anthony Evans, Georgia. Why wouldn't you look at Georgia over us? We threw only to three wide receivers caught passes versus West Virginia three. I don't care if it's raining only three wide receivers caught. What am I going to come in as a freshman and just sit and wait for three years before I can catch a pass? Like I'm damn right. I'm looking at him. But there's some optimism. I'll talk a little bit later in the podcast where thank God that we have them coming in for Oklahoma state and they'll give us one more shot. Cause you know, it's not over right now. Whenever they come in and we can directly implant what we're trying to put on them and hopefully we do a good, you know, have a good performance for Zbellum, which probably, you know, what we've been seeing, I'm not confident in it, but we, it's not over. We still got a chance. Your kicker is lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession, they're slim. The stakes are high, and that tension is even higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks, and you watch as the ball lands. Okay, yeah, like, make every play feel that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out. In addition to the usual bets, Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. 
And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any NFL game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. And I think, honestly, let's just kind of close the book on West Virginia and kind of move towards these last two games because I think, you know, even though even though for me, like it doesn't matter where where we end up bowl wise at this point, it's about making a bowl because, as I was saying, those extra practices matter. And Lord knows they need these extra practices, especially these young guys. Um, it helps set a standard, helps move on. Um, it's needed. It's very, 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 very needed. So um, y'all cool with uh, just turning the turning the page and moving on to uh, Bedlam, Oklahoma State. Ty, you want to... I have one final, very short thought. There is a silver lining in all of this. Only for me, not for you two, but there is a silver (laughs) lining in all of this for me. I was mocked. I was laughed at. I was cast aside. My opinions, my takes were cast aside when I said that Dylan Gabriel returning would not fix our problems. Our two worst losses... So the two worst teams we've lost to have been with him. Obviously, you know, it, there's a whole other big arguments for why we lost style, those and how it wasn't points. his fault. But but we continue to lose with Dylan Gabriel. So I stand by my take uh, that that he returning was not the key to us winning. Well, I'm, not, also, I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm not he, trying to he, set you he, off. He, I'm he's saying not, that's not the key, contention. Not, not the key to winning, obviously, but he's not good enough to like, Take up for the bad defense for and us the bad win. offensive line. Yeah. Well, he no, the Baylor he game when he had three be... turnovers. This game is a diff- this game is a different yeah. argument. But, but what do yeah, you think? He could have easily oh, had God. two touchdowns, maybe even three in this game if things went his way. But obviously, that's a shoulda, woulda, coulda. But well, if uh, things yeah, went yeah. his way, as in if he could complete a pass. Well, in one case, Marvin Mims just dropped it. Like twice, actually, um, and then so. Marvin Mims got caught from behind. Like I don't, I, I don't know what the weather was, but you don't get caught if you're Marvin Mims. I, I obviously the momentum and how he is running the route, he might have been thrown a little bit of a hair underthrown, but still, I am. What I'm trying to say is, there's there's a couple of things that if you just flip the coin one way, it could have been a lot different. It's just he's not he's not Kyler Murray, he's not Baker Mayfield, he's not Jalen Hurts, he's not making all of our deficiencies on the defense and the rest of the team. He's look not Blake better. Bell or Trevor Knight. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> I disagree here's, with that. But here, here's here's the thing. And Jimmy just said in the chat, I, I think this is a great transition and kind of talking into the future and we can t- hit a little bit on Oklahoma State. Um, Jackson will come in next year. If he if he stays, obviously people are going to start chirping. But I feel pretty good about him staying. Um, I'm not too worried. I know people are talking about Notre Dame and then possibly having. I saw some Instagram posts today. It's like there's going to be a possible flip of a five star or four star quarterback into Notre Dame. They list like ten guys. I'm like, so you sent all their offers as a possible flip, and you think Jackson Arnold could be one? And that's what we're worrying about. Come on, let's let's wait until we get there. Let's let's not completely dive into that absolutely horrible, horrible take. If he does flip to Notre Dame, I'd be super surprised. But that Instagram post is not going to make me worry one bit. So throw that in the trash right now. Let's not take about that. But you know, I, I from the recruiting aspect of this, looking at what we're doing, obviously it's negative. But Jeff Lebby, he could probably go up to Jackson Arnold like, "Hey, we're cool. We believe in each other." And I'm going to be honest, you brutally honest with you right now. I cannot call anything that I want to Dylan Gabriel. He does not have the ability to do what I want. As soon as he gets any pressure, can't make the plays, cannot extend the plays. He does not have the wheels that you do. He does not have the football IQ that you do. He does not have the accuracy that you do. And I understand you're a true freshman, but I can't call the offense that I want to with him. And he's not unlocking my true potential for this offense. You, you have the tools to do that. True freshman quarterback hearing that, saying I could come in, play a blue blood, Oklahoma as a true freshman not many guys can say that in our history of our football program I I think that's got to be a huge positive for a quarterback obviously there's people like defensive linemen can come in and play early and that's you know seductive for a guy like Hicks but quarterback coming in and playing at true freshman look at all the hype Drake May is getting at North Carolina and this is North Carolina right now coming and playing as a freshman and he's going to be like Heisman favorite next year 
probably. Yeah. It, that, that's what happens with these freshmen. They come in and they have a good year. They don't have to have a great year. They have a good year as a true freshman. Oh, man, they're going to talk about for two straight years, and then they're going to be a draft pick, even if they do have a disappointing year in their sophomore, junior year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely something you dangle out there and, you know, hope he he is a fan of because, yeah, I, I, I don't – if he is who he says he is, he looks great. I've seen the tape. I've seen what he's done at Den Geyer. And yeah, no, he, he can compete for that starting job. If you say, hey, look, it's an open competition. Dylan Gabriel, you know, doesn't automatically have this. I think that's something that would be very, very appealing. Um, so hope and hopefully that's that's a pitch they're making across the board, the ability to play early, uh, especially because I pr- I'm pretty sure we're about to get a transfer portal exodus uh here in the coming weeks. Um across the board from older guys so i think that's a that is a plus and thankfully uh we're not texas a&m where they can't even have a bowl game so it's not it's not good but it's not full dumpster fire just yet i think there is kind of you can salvage a little bit like not all the way it's but you know it's not we're not we're not full meltdown just yet i don't think where uh where's jackson arnold from Den, Den, Texas. Texas. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get him playing. Yeah, because the guys from Hawaii and South Carolina <laughs> don't know how to play football. From okay, yeah, that's, that's no, from, no, from that's Ari- from Arizona. Yeah. From Arizona, but still, <laughs> who's from Arizona? Are you are you talking about Spencer Rattler? No, I was talking about uh, Gabriel and uh, Bevel. Bevel's from. South oh, South. okay. Good point. Good point. Good point. Oh, I Sorry, see. The, I see the confusion. Yeah, I see that. You, you, you were just. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. just in a past episode talking yeah. about how no one from Arizona does. Yeah. Anything. No. If you're a quarterback <laughs> and you're That's not true. from Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, California, the DMV, will maybe Georgia, Williams. maybe Georgia, Alabama. If you're not from like a yeah. southern state or California, I do not want you on my team because you don't know how to play football. <laughs> And okay, the fair. Carolinas are not southern states. I've lived in both. They're not southern states. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. All right, let's dive a little bit into Bedlam itself. So, um, six six thirty kickoff on ABC Woo, and Texas Tech six thirty, baby. Let's go. We in and yeah, out on and night Texas games in the year, right when it gets I, cold. Look, I'm okay with look the tech the tech night game. I'm not too fond of. You know, vibes can change at a at a moment's notice. It's uh always always weird playing at tech in, in Lubbock at night. And I don't know if OU can handle it, but Bedlam at home, I don't know. I think the energy look, I know the record's not good. I know people are mad, but it's Bedlam. And I think if people I think people can back if, if they back this team, show up, be loud, make a great environment. We've got our weird lights going. I don't know. I I, I have a weird feeling about Bedlam. Um, set seven. OU is a seven and a half point favorite here. At seven and a half odd. now. We got we got the line to half up. Oh my god! Let me let me double check. Oh, it's our, it's, uh, it's at, at seven. It's at seven. It's at seven right now on DraftKings. But you got to get minus one twenty yes. on it when it's plus one hundred at plus seven for Oklahoma okay. State. So, so it's trendy. just before before we know it, it's going to hit up to seven and a half. Yeah, it's knocking on the door of seven and a half. So big opportunity for OU if they win. This is uh, it's play it's bowl eligibility. You avoid uh, automatically don't have to go into Lubbock and try to get that win to get bowl eligible, and avoid um, getting that dark mark of being the uh, first team since the John Blake era to miss a bowl. Nineteen ninety eight, ugly, 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 ugly thing. But uh, Jameson, I think no matter what, we kind of know who this OU team is but we don't really know what Oklahoma state team will see show up uh, as mentioning in the comments. Um, Spencer Sanders availability changes a lot for Oklahoma state here. Uh, if he plays Jamison, how screwed are we? <laughs> I don't think there's an if I think he is playing. I think that was the whole yeah. plan all along for him to sit out with kind of a shoulder injury. That is a pain that he probably should be waiting a couple more weeks for to get fully 100%. But this is the end of the road for Spencer. He needs to go out there and do what he can. And they gave Gunner Gundy his time last week. And it wasn't working versus Iowa State. Spencer came in, saved the day for him, and won him. Sanders was going to be playing versus Bedlam no matter what. And that's why he had pads on and um, versus Iowa State. He was good enough to play, but they just didn't want him to. 
he's playing in Bedlam. And it makes you worry. Obviously, if he doesn't have any mental blocks where he's playing like he was pre-injury, maybe he not be he might not be performing like he was pre-injury, but if he's playing like the same style, it's scary. Did you see what Garrett Green did to us? Running the ball all over us? Do you see what Adrian Martinez did to us? This is an age-old story, and I'd hate to bring up the past defense of Oklahoma, but all OU fans hate running quarterbacks because they always destroy us. They always, always, always destroy us. I have like a laundry list of 10 names I could talk to you about our history. Buddy, I don't even think you need to look at the past. Look at look at like a couple of days ago. Garrett Green comes up. That's what I just. That's what I just said. Yeah, I know. I, you, I was. You said the, I was saying you don't even need to look at the past. It's 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 yeah. happening. And now. Adrian yeah. Martinez had the game of his career versus us too. Like it's it's yeah. obviously it's a problem with us this year, this year. And you know, there's a lot of things going wrong with Oklahoma State as well. And you know, people are like okay, they had to bounce back and beat Iowa State. Come on, Iowa State looks like booty this year and they honestly Iowa State should have won that game it's just Deckers threw three horrible interceptions uh Oklahoma State was not playing like they wanted to win honestly right so we both have our faults and with Spencer Sanders coming back if he puts this team on his shoulders and (laughs) can hold it on his shoulder uh, it's scary. I, 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 that's seven. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot for a team that just lost to West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tie your takes. Early yeah. Takes how about, Bedlam. how about, uh, I have a bone to pick where I guess we're going to have to teach him a lesson for the third time in a row. The nation of Germany singing, uh, country roads. Why at their NFL game? I, I think they, they were just, just trying rubbing to it in. I think they were rubbing it in. I think they were, it's anti OU sentiment in Germany. And for the third time in a row, we're going to go have to teach Germany a lesson, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, it, when it comes to it, it so that it gets kind of a confusing joke. They, they had that NFL game in Germany against uh, Tampa Bay and Seattle. I, I know your German yeah. fans kept singing. No, I, I know you guys knew. I'm just trying to make it, uh, you know, clear. Uh, Cause otherwise yes. it's, if you didn't, yeah. Um, but they sang country roads a bunch for, for some reason. Cause when I think Florida versus Seattle, I, I think West Virginia song, but uh, in Germany, <laughs> in Germany, but uh, yeah, Oklahoma state it worries me. I don't think we're going to cover uh, at all. I, I really, I don't understand why the line is at seven at all. Uh, I, I don't understand why OU is, is the favorites. I have faith in OU, but um, you know, like we've talked about the things that they can do, uh worry me i mean we we have just lost the two not very good teams when it comes to their big 12 record and and oklahoma state has really fallen off they've really stumbled or i've I've been using the term it it just sort of broke them when they lost to tcu but they were very competitive uh for the rest of the time uh before that that loss to tcu and then their last couple games so I don't know. I, I am certainly worried about Oklahoma State, but I think it will be a great atmosphere at OU. We got the night kick, and, and I'm not trying to – I know we normally do atmosphere at the end. I'm not trying to wrap us up, but we got the night kick. Um, the ticket prices are still really high. You know, Maybe that's just Oklahoma State fans buying them. But uh, you have to remember Oklahoma State, they're getting their first shot at us since all the news about uh, – about everything they're still angry at that they're getting to come to norman as they had the, the news last year right not the betting favorites i i'm talking about to come to norman oh first um, shot so at not, coming to norman yeah, and try to take us not out the, That's what you mean. yeah not the betting favorites but i think in, in any reasonable observer of college football should assume that oklahoma state are the favorites i really don't know why vegas isn't seeing that but um I, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. And I think above all, this one matters. And I really hope that that our players and our team realize that because this matters a, a whole lot to, to the fans. This matters a whole lot. We make jokes all the time about Oklahoma State's not actually our rival. We have, you know, a couple rivals. We have Texas and and rivals we don't play anymore, like Nebraska. I know we played them this year, but um, and we got future rivals like LSU. But I, this one matters. This one matters a lot to the fans. This one matters a lot to the the state of Oklahoma, and and this is the one that that everyone talks about, you know, all the time. And and it matters a whole lot to Oklahoma State. They're going to be coming in and giving us their best shot. Do not take their performance at Kansas State or or anything else as indicative of what they're going to bring into Norman. They're going to 
nothing is going to be off the table. I mean, we're late in the season. There's no more arguments about, oh, we're saving the playbook. You know, they're not saving the playbook for for something else. This is – they're going to go to a decent bowl game, presumably, uh, for for them, but this is their bowl game. This is their – their Super Bowl to use the, yeah. the term and it's it matters a whole lot. And I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere. I just hope that it doesn't get out of hand. And I'll say I'll say this. I I think there's a real danger um of this getting out of hand in the other way. And I think you know i I feel like we've said this in the past OU fans of you know don't boo keep try to stay as positive as you can. But if you start booing this OU team if they start bad in Bedlam at home I'm just saying that's something they're they're going to be holding over us forever. Uh, so, I, I mean, you can't control you fans, but at the same time, I, I mm. it, you you got. I think keeping positivity early is important because is, this thing can spiral because these are kids, mostly kids, and that I don't think I don't think the booing really works very well. Is that really holding something over us? If the argument OU fans don't like it when OU is bad, that's no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, like, we went into your house and made you boo your team. Mm -hmm. Like, we, 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 Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, but I, I know Blake was trolling when he said this, but I subscribe to the idea of we, we should make it very well known that we do not support anything but absolute success at Oklahoma. But I, I don't think that's productive. I don't. What, what, I'm not what saying. I'm not that? saying tweet you know? at the players because I you would never condone he, anyone having a Twitter account. Period. You think the players but, uh, and the coaches don't already know that we are absolutely upset and are very angry with them? Because I guarantee no, they you, do. they know that. They do. Their confidence. Do. Their confidence. What little that they had. It's no. There's none there. Honestly, they're playing on thin ice every single time they step on a football field right now because five losses and five wins and OU yeah, is but not I mean, a if you were if you fan. were if you were like, a surgeon who has done ten surgeries so far and you've lost five patients and five have been successful <laughs> okay. and of the five that were successful a couple were like just barely and it's just kind of a coin flip <laughs> that it was you would be getting worse than booze right so these people well, are. These people are being paid better than surgeons in some cases. So I don't, you know, it just doesn't seem, just doesn't seem productive. Like I think, I think what, what that really is, is if you're doing surgery and things are getting stressful, having someone in your ear yelling, boo, 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 I'm going to sue ya, like, you. Like that doesn't help. What about, do you think the patient is your opponent? They go under anesthesia and like, I hope you lose. I'm going to do everything I can for this surgeon to lose right now. <laughs> obviously, there's so many faults with this analogy. It's not uh, a good that, analogy. That's, probably. That's just, I, obviously, it was co- comedic. But yeah, I, 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 what, what's the booing going to do? They already know. And their confidence is already shot. It's going to do nothing but negative. So if you want to be selfish and boo and let your emotions overtake you and boo at people and to, to make them worse, go for it. That's that's your choice, but you're just being stupid. What do you want your booing to do? Is it to make you feel better? Cool, good for you. But if you truly want OU to be better and don't care about yourself and be be selfish, be positive. Be quiet if you want to boo. Um, leave the game if you want to freaking boo. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, don't go to the bars. Only- OU fans get even madder at you if you leave the game early and go to the bars. No, I, I in this it, case just care. go go Do to it. the bars instead. Just I, I'll say this: like not only that, but if you boo, like imagine how bad that looks for recruiting. Like that, we need this I, I game know. so bad for recruiting, so bad. Like please, needs- we need everyone yeah. on their best behavior. Like I cannot yeah. say that anymore. <laughs> well, and I okay. Yeah. So let me make it clear: I am saying this as a bit. But if you do go and choose to boo and you're going to influence people around you to boo, the right way to boo is with a purpose. You can't just blindly be booing like my dog is barking in the background right now. You know, dogs, they're not <laughs> saying anything when they bark like they, this is science. You can look this up. You can look this up. Dogs aren't saying anything when they bark. They are. It's just like an involuntary reaction when they're feeling a certain way. It's like an expression of their emotion at the moment. Right. Don't boo just because you're upset. Like, don't. You're just barking like a dog, like nothing is being achieved. <laughs> Here we go again. Second podcast on row, calling people dogs. Uh, but, <laughs> right when we booed Spencer Rattler, we you booed made the Spencer same analogy Rattler. earlier, just not with we dogs. We booed Spencer Rattler with a purpose, <laughs> and we said we want Caleb. So if you're going to start booing our players, right? 
learn the names of some of the recruits that are visiting and start chanting we want now there you, you know, go we got, we, now, got so. name. we got a recruit name oh, no. say we got a quarterback name like dave visiting Arnold. right we want jackson you guys, Arnold. If, yeah jackson if you guys start booing uh dylan gabriel which you should before the game even starts right it's shocking he's even still on this team Good uh Lord. this is oklahoma this is quarterback you uh start chanting we want jackson you know give it a hype up hype up the recruits you know or else i'm gonna send the dr pepper sheriff after you guys <laughs> just yeah i i i just think fan involvement should be productive in this and i think that's making a ton of noise when the guys in orange are on the field and uh, not as much when the guys in red are on the field on offense i don't know because here's the thing it's frustrating and all that but they they still do need our support so and this atmosphere needs to be 10 out of 10 it's on national tv for some god knows reason and look there's still a chance to have a relatively positive end of the season i think bedlam would be that i think winning a Mm. winning a bedlam game would be nice yeah it's just doing what we're supposed to do i i don't know how positive it is you know, it's just neutral, honestly. If we win these next two games, honestly, I still think it's a neutral. It's a relief. I think that's a better word. I don't think it's a positive still. I think that it's still very negative what we've done so far, but it's a damn relief because we are treading water hard right now and we are gasping for air. And man, would it feel nice just to f- have a little float come up next to us to where we can keep treading some water. But right now, I, I mean, we're in danger of sinking and I don't care if we miss a bowl game. I really don't care. I All I care is if we show some kind of life raft of the recruits, some well, hope that can get us to the, you know, the future. How's this for an analogy? Is this a little bit better? Um, we need a little life raft to let us stay afloat for a little bit longer until our safety, you know, comes to save us. I mean, I, that, that's really, I, we just need time. That's all we need. And we just need the recruits to stay. That's all it is. I think, I think making a ball game would help. Um, just to be like, okay, we made a bowl game. It's nothing to cheer about, nothing to be proud of, but it's not embarrassing. It's a, it's avoiding as much embarrassment as possible. Yeah, uh, it's the act of making a bowl game isn't the thing. It's the act of not m- missing a bowl game. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The streak, yeah, that matters, and the streak matters. You know, you can't. we can't lie about it like we do about our stadium record, you know, about our continuous home games sold out like yeah they're sold out just because that online people scalp them like you go to a game and, and the upper deck on the visitor side is empty but uh we i think the bowl game is is important i'm not as worried about texas tech obviously we're we're putting the cart uh far ahead of of the horse here with looking ahead to texas tech but i'm not worried about them i think this game all jokes aside is is very winnable and and all jokes or or enduring bits or, or characters that we play on the podcast aside, uh, if you objectively look at things specifically with this OU team and, and with Dylan Gabriel and, and any other specific you want to point at, there are a lot of things that are up to chance. There are a lot of things that flip the coin. They could have gone another way, you know, very famously last year, flip a coin with the, with the Nebraska team. And, and it's a whole nother, whole nother record for the 2021 Nebraska team. And, and that is, you know, sometimes guy drops a pass. That's that's chance, that's skill, that's whatever. Guy, you know, play calls, just freak things. Ball bounces away or, or doesn't. This game is very within our grasp. If we, I think, honestly, I know we've lost the last two. If, excluding the turnovers in the Baylor game, if for the most part, with some minor improvements, obviously, and a little bit of Sooner Magic, if we play broadly, broadly, you know, better, a little bit better. But if we play broadly, similarly to what we did in the last two games, this game is at least in sight. But you can make the argument, you know, the last two games were very much in sight right until the very end and we lost them. But I don't think this one, I know people are worried, maybe Oklahoma State, things click and this gets out of hand. Uh, I don't think that this one is is going to get out of hand. And I think we will get some buy-in from from the players, hopefully. And I think, I think fan involvement is part of that. You know, the, the general vibe and the atmosphere can be felt, you know, they feel it on, on campus to some extent. There's a lot of students that, that don't really care about football nowadays. These, these Gen Z kids, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> uh, but um, they feel it in the towns. They feel it online. They feel it in, in the stuff. And and you got to keep the faith as, 
as the fans. And I think that the fans are, are sort of the enduring part of, of the program. You know, you're, if you're an OU fan, you're an OU fan for life. And it is overwhelmingly a blessing. You know, I think I speak for all of us and our, we're all in our, our mid twenties. Um, and it's always been, it's been a blessing for, for uh, pretty much our entire lifetimes. You know, it was when we were babies, things were a little sketchy, but we had our Cowboys uh, that were doing good, at least when I was born. Um, the Dallas kind. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Important <laughs> note. Important note on this podcast. We had our Dallas Cowboys and a good old King Switzer. But um, yeah, it, things are not out of hand. I'm so optimistic about about the future. I think we'll make a bowl, but it is it is very important, and and it's we cannot coast to it, you know. And obviously, as as fans, as everyone listening, and and us, it's it's out of our hands. But I do think you know, your vote matters, your, your vote with your dollars, how you spend them, you know, going to the games or, or not matters. And, and your vote with your support all contributes to the overall uh, vibes as the kids would say nowadays, uh, the, the information environment as the government would say, but uh, the, the atmosphere as, as sports fans would say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Kind of thinking about that, Jameson. I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on something that just came out today. The uh, Crim- Crimson and Cream Collective, I guess, just launched a new initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, three million to, to raise three million dollars in thirty days. Uh, this is backed by Venables, Castiglione, Joe Haraz. I'm just saying, is like, is this a panic button sort of thing, or what are what are your vibes on this? I think I I don't know how much it was. Uh, you know. Oh, we need to get three million dollars now. Um, we're making a move. I think it was probably in the works, and it was very strategic. Whenever they released it, obviously, I think that there's a lot of guys that are going to hit the portal, and some guys would might just let go. They're the older guys that probably only have a year or so left of eligibility. I'm like, okay, we can let them go. But there's guys on this, you know, on this team that are young, have a lot of hope and talent. That sure as hell, I'd be using some three million on. Think Jalil Farouk. Man, he's he looked really good. And if we lost him, a young wide receiver, you know, and there's we're not giving too much run to our younger wide receivers, that would hurt for our future. I think like Javante Barnes, when he's been healthy, man, he's looked really good. He's already eclipsed, you know. He's I know I know Marcus Major might not be the healthiest right now, but he seems to be RB2. And it would really hurt if somehow we lose him. Jaden Gibson, even though he's not playing this year, it's like we heard all these positive things, like. He's a true freshman, hasn't played a lot, and he got all this hype. I'm sure that's pretty disappointing for him. Might be helpful to keep give him a little extra money on the side as well. There's a lot of things. And then plus, talk about recruiting. Man, would it help be helpful to have a little couple extra books, extra bucks to push us over the edge that we couldn't have done versus David Hicks whenever the bag man came for him in AM. Could have been a completely different story. Both of our teams, Hicks with um with AM and OU, uh, both having extremely disappointing seasons. And um, once you commit to one team, it's hard to flip. It's so much harder to flip. And if we would have, yeah. if we would have been the bag men rather than Texas A&M, could have been a different story. And he could have been sticking with us. Yeah, and it's it's really frustrating because this is kind of how the game goes now. This is how this situation rolls. Um, Auburn, by the way, had a similar thing. They had to raise, I think it was $10 billion in 30 days. They're like, this is our goal. They hit 13. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a new game and it's something we all have to kind of play. And it's something that we need to, as a collective, like they they need to put all the collectives together, put them, put them into one, like Texas just did, because all of these, all these disjointed ones are not working. But at the same time, I think it's, I think it's something that you got to invest in. Unfortunately, it's uh, painful. It's frustrating, but that's college football now, I guess. So uh, I guess that's what we got to do as, as bag men pay the money to the university uh, and then pay the money to the kids, pay the money all the way. If you want your team to win football games. So that's, that's just kind of how it is. I suppose. It's the, it's the classic joke uh, that people make nowadays about every, uh, everything that you use nowadays specifically in in the media creating their their like plus program it's just ou football plus you know sign up for (laughs) for our our ad free experience if you pledge a certain number of 
of dollars a month. I mean, it's a, a but I think I think you're right. I'm I'm not reading into it too much. I I really don't think uh, I I think you're right as in both of you guys. I don't think it's a it's an act of desperation. I think it was going to occur either way. And I think if we were doing good, everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, we're exploiting the the success really well." Or you can make the you know the negative argument, "Oh, they're trying to to ride this hype just to get more money." I think this is the nature of college football now and in the the short-term future obviously a lot of things can change uh in the in the midterm future when it comes to you know is the ncaa going to be there how are the conferences going to look like and and things like that but at least in the short-term future these as we figure out the nil thing as as we still continue to figure that out and uh the money thing it's uh it's an interesting environment because what we're seeing is they're expecting sort of micro pledges uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, because like, I don't know what the minimum is, but let's say 10 to, to $100 a month from everyday fans, they're, they're sort of treating people like they have the the big donors, uh, the way they've been treated for a long time, in a sense, right? Because they're coming to you and saying, hey, you pledge this amount of money a month and we'll enter you for a drawing. You know, the big donors, they pledge and then they they get to go get you know, box tickets that they pay for, but they're like essentially comped or sidelined sometimes if you're, if you're donating enough or FaceTime with certain people or, or things like that. So it's, I think it's just the nature of, of college football in the future. I don't think this is a sign of, of desperation or a sign of financial instability within the OU athletics department. I think we're doing fine uh, financially and we will continue to, as we, as we move towards the SEC, I don't think there's any sort of liquidity crisis or anything affecting OU athletics. Uh, I think this was inevitable. And if anything, maybe we sat on it, you know, thinking that things were going to get turned around and now it's just sort of too late. We have to, to drop it regardless. But I, I don't read into that as a, as a sign of desperation. I know that's not what you guys were implying, but um, I think that's just the nature of the beast going forward, yeah. at least in, in the near term is it you, you got to get used to them sort of, constantly poking you i mean it's it is now that we've sort of removed all the the veil of amateurism and and everything else you know we've we've gotten rid of that it affects the fan experience as well and 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 you're getting that you know it 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 is a machine designed to provide you with an entertainment product but also increasingly to separate you from your money and you just you're gonna have to to be okay with that uh in the future and i think it's it would be normal in, in certain other contexts, uh, but I think that with college football, it's it's weird because, uh, you know, the Bedlam game, right? Like you're, you're paying, if you're buying single game tickets, $100 plus, and then you're getting bombarded with you need to to donate money to us uh, every month as you pay $8 for a water bottle and, and things like that. So it's it's just the nature of the beast. I think people will get used to it and, and won't even uh, notice it when it in, in future years. Yeah, it's just how it is. And, you know, I think it's frustrating because the kids should really be getting a cut of the TV deals um, of more of the merch sales. It it's it, they should, ultimately the kids shouldn't be paid by, you know, people who are already paying to enjoy said product. So I, I don't know. It's it's a broken, weird, funky system. And, you know, I who knows? Hopefully they figure it out. But. Well, guys, I think that's pretty much all we have for this episode. Um, always, always tough talking about a loss, but you know what? We're we're almost there. Two games left. We're we are we are right. We are almost done. We are almost done with this season, and then maybe we could get a little bit of break, bit of a break. I, I I saw I saw a comment in the chat asking about OU basketball, and I already don't want to give him all that. I'm ready for my stickball sports, um, but. Uh, Final thoughts, anyone? Yes or no? We're looking at you, David Hicks. We're looking at you, Taylor Wine. We're looking at you, Jackson Arnold, maybe Peyton Bowen. We're looking at you recruits this weekend. <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most, too. If we can win, I'm looking at you. I'm not excited about this football team. I'm excited about the future. Yep. Ty? I am very excited. If you guys haven't given it a listen, uh, I, I have fun doing it. And if you're a fan of college football, you might have fun. Uh, if anything, just to laugh at how bad we are at evaluating teams that aren't OU. Uh, tune in on Wednesdays for we do our what we call a weekend spread. Uh, we pick 
it's it's gambling line hey, we're great. Uh, but we we're usually good. we, we, we are, are good. We're actually week. we're actually very very good uh, when it comes to podcasts and in picking games. But we break down all the Big Twelve games and then some of the other games uh, with the gambling lines, courtesy of our sponsors at DraftKings. Uh, but it, it's just sort of us talking college football in general. We bring on a a Baylor alum who claims to be a TCU fan, and, and we just have a good time. So, hey, it no one's below five hundred. We're we're still riding. Hey, we're we're doing very well. We're doing very well. Uh, you know, especially with the fixed uh, picks and everything. But all right, folks, that's all we got for this week. Ooh, oh, this oh, week. we got a good a good viewer we comment good about Jackson Dart, who should be. You just opened a whole can of worms oh, with no. me about how record D- Dylan Gabriel. Oh, Dylan better. Gabriel, better, listen, better. Listen, oh. this is a postscript. I'm sure Bobby might not put this on the, the actual podcast. But oh, a postscript. Dylan Gabriel, oh, I, I, in my opinion, I'm an expert because I'm on a podcast. In my expert opinion, Dylan Gabriel screwed OU not in his on-field performance, but in how quickly he announced his commitment to OU because we missed out on an excellent transfer quarterback transfer portal uh market you know it bo nix uh, your arguments about him you know failing michael penix at, at washington the leading uh, guy when it comes to yards right now or jackson dart there were so many great quarterbacks and i think no one bothered to even look at the ou market because the second dylan gabriel announced he was coming to oklahoma i think everyone looked at it and said oh he already knows their oc there's no chance in going because there's going to be favoritism. I'm not even going to get a fair look. I'm going to go somewhere else. I think that's how he really screwed us. I would have loved to have seen Jackson Dart specifically or Bo Nix or Michael Penix or literally anyone else. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'd be a two loss team with Jackson Dart. You heard it here first. And those losses would be TCU and, and Texas probably. Oh, wow. Spicy take. Spicy. That's take. an expert opinion. That's an expert opinion. Legally speaking. <laughs> Enough, I could if there enough. was a if there was a, a court case and they needed someone to talk about being on a podcast, uh, <laughs> I would be I would be qualified to be an expert witness. Therefore, I legally as is like half of America. Are. You have well, well. Here's the thing: I've heard that if you have like what 100 listeners, maybe like 80 listeners, you're already in the top 10 percent of all podcasts in the world. So, woo, we did it. Uh, yeah, and kidding. we'll have our we'll have <laughs> our podcast. Not. We have a podcast attorney. We'll have him evaluate that the legality of the statement I just oh, made God. on Wednesday. So sure. tune in for that as well. Sure, sure. But yeah, so check out the weekend spread on Wednesday. That'll be fun. We'll be recording live on YouTube, but otherwise you can hear it uh, the next day on Thursday not or Thursday morning. Um, but that's all we got. Uh, make sure to check out DraftKings. Use promo code TPPN for all that good stuff. We would love that. We would love that for y'all. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's all we got for this week. We hope y'all have a good one. Hope to see y'all in Norman and uh, boomer sooner. Everybody beat the pokes.